Hello everyone, welcome to Charity Chats. My name is Samuel Davies, I'm your host. Uh, This month I'm going to be flying solo. Phoebe won't be here, but she will be back next month. And this month we're going to be talking about the interesting role that recycling has to play in charities. So there are lots of sites offering recycling services to charities. Uh, These include printer, cartridge, recycling, stamps, jewellery and of course mobile phones. You can find out more about this on our website charitychat.org.uk and also if you're specifically interested in recycling through charity shops I'd urge you to check out episode 4 of our podcast Trading. There are a lot of things we could talk about with recycling, but I think a case study is the best way of illustrating just how effective recycling can be. And that case study is um, a charity called WorkAid. I met with them a few weeks ago and spent a good couple of hours at their workshop down in Chesham, Buckinghamshire, UK. Here's the interview with their chairman and development manager. Development Manager at WorkAid. Welcome to Charity Chats. Thank you. Thank you very much. What is it that you do here at WorkAid? Yeah, well, thanks for inviting us on the, the programme. So WorkAid's been going nearly 30 years. Um, it was founded in response to uh, the kind of pictures of drought, I think that many people remember from Ethiopia and Bob Geldof and all, all the rest of it in the mid-1980s. And what we do is we gather goods and uh, equipment that people all around the country in the UK have no need for anymore and would otherwise throw to landfill. We restore them in our base in Chesham and then we send them to vocational training projects in East Africa, uh, mainly in Zambia, Uganda, Tanzania and Kenya. How do you uh, recycle? How does work recycle for the people that you're helping in, the, in these countries? All of the things we send are things that people would otherwise be throwing away. So we have uh, about 200 volunteers in Chesham who will take the goods and equipment, and I'll let Claire sort of talk through some examples of the sort of goods and equipment we have, but they'll restore them from a, you know, a state in which you and I might otherwise throw them away to a state in which people in Africa can use them to learn a skill. It's quite interesting because literally everything that we have here in the factory some, was un, un, unwanted by somebody else. But really, without any training, we've taken volunteers because we can show show everybody how to do things, how to uh, refurbish things. Uh, we're looking at skills from sewing machines for tailoring, knitting machines as well. We've cleared the country of gazetteners, which we used to send to schools. All the kind of things from masonry kits to construction work to car mechanics kits, uh, bicycle maintenance even, um, a lot of carpentry sets from, you know, small for small projects or for larger ones that are more established, we can give you a range of different tools. We don't just send a screwdriver, for example, we'll send a whole kit full. And if we've got it here, we will send it out. And these are all recycled items? Yes, they're all things that somebody else didn't want. Not everything is actually old or unwanted it can be um, end of line things from some of the large retailers or large suppliers so we have some end of lines or we have things that you know they've taken off sale for one reason or another as long as we can make them serviceable and put them into the kind of condition that we'd be ourselves happy to receive things in that's really the kind of standard we're going for. And what's been the main challenge uh, that WorkAid has faced in uh, receiving recycled goods? 
So we, we have um, sort of a lo- two, two real logistical challenges. One is we need to somehow marry up the supply of things we get in the UK, which is obviously haphazard. We have no idea one week whether we're going to get in 10 sewing machines or not with the demand for things that we get sent from projects in East Africa. We spend a lot of time evaluating the projects in East Africa and making sure that the ones we support are, are really who they say they are and are good causes. But once we've done that, we then need to sort of make sure that we are able to service the needs, the specific needs they have. So in the workshop here in uh, Chesham, we have yeah, an emporium, really. It's like, a, it's like an ironmonger's shop on a huge scale. There are more hammers downstairs than you can shake a stick at, hundreds of um, hammers and so on, hundreds of sewing machines and all the rest, so that we're able to sort of satisfy the needs as they come in from the projects in East Africa. And the other logistical challenge, I guess, is just a practical one within the UK. So we have um, things supplied to us from you know, everywhere from the Hebrides to Devon. And so we have a network of area organisers who are around the country and kind of act as local central collecting points for us. They'll collect from houses in their local area or businesses in their local area. And when they've got enough, either we'll send the minivan to collect from them or they'll drive up to our, our warehouse in Chesham. So there's just a logistical challenge of sort of managing that flow of recycled goods too. And if people want to give, Ring our office in Chesham and we'll put you in touch with your local area organiser. Either you can go and drop your things with them or they'll come and collect from you. And how is WorkAid benefiting the people in East Africa? In many ways. I mean, I think it's, it's really built on that teach a man to fish ethos. So we don't send money, we only send things. And we really are trying to reach the poorest people. So I was in a, a bit of um, Dar es Salaam a couple of years ago and people were saying, well, these are the people who earn you know, a dollar or two dollars a day, so they're pretty well off. You know, going further down the coast, and that's where the real hardship is. We try and get to um, real hardship cases. I was in I was in Zambia recently too. It's my my only other trip with WorkAid, and one of the projects I saw was set up by a person who had been born who had contracted polio age three, and had a replacement leg, and his friend who's had a club foot. They, being resourceful people, were concerned that there wasn't really enough by way of medical equipment to support people who had been born with deformities or contracted illnesses like polio as they got older. And so they had in a container, so in you know one of those 40-foot containers you see on the back of lorries being hauled around the UK, they'd taken one of those, turned it into a makeshift kind of workshop, and they are now supplying all of the um, special shoes and making and supplying all the special shoes needed for kids who are born with spina bifida in Zambia to enable them to grow with legs that are straightened so they don't so they grow able to walk and that's something they did with their own inspiration we supply the uh, kind of cutting and sewing and the rest the, the equipment they need to do that and that's a really inspirational thing to see the kind of difference you make and the feeling that we, we're kind of getting to 3,000 kids a year in Zambia who are born with spina bifida suddenly have the shoes at least that give them a chance to walk Stately. We do have a reputation also of selling good quality tools because of some of the older tools there's absolutely nothing wrong with them they're very well made whereas today you know you can get saws that you can't even resharpen the old saws you can resharpen them they've got a long shelf life really so we're sending sustainable goods um, not something that's going to be you know you can't use once you've lost the needles or something like that. So. I was at a project in Zambia yeah. which uh, we'd supplied 15 years ago with sewing machines 
and they were showing me with some pride that the sewing machines we gave them 15 years ago are still working robustly. These are sewing machines that 15 years ago someone in the UK decided mm. this is past it and I can't use it anymore. Um, so it really is recycling in action. I remember also in Tanzania seeing at a school for the blind they had typewriters from us and they were still in use sort of 15 years later as well which is fantastic to see. How do you feel that WorkAid's recycle tools and equipment needs might change in the future? Well, we're, we're sort of very demand-driven, so we, we supply and have supplied for some time in the same sort of areas because the demand has really not shown any sign of drying up. And actually, relatively, the demand for what we send has remained remarkably stable. Over time, I'm sure that we will kind of read some challenges. For example, as Claire said with the Gestetners, the supply of Gestetners in the UK will dry up. So that's, 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 that's an issue for us. And the same will happen over time, I guess, with certain types of sewing machine, to take an example, or knitting machines. Mm. So there'll be a supply kind of issue. I think in Africa, the, the demand will sort of slowly evolve too. Uh, so I think there's... You know, there's increasingly a demand in all the projects I went for uh, computer support in their offices, for example. So computer support is something other charities do here, and we don't have the capability to. Mm. But you know, we may find ways of working complementarily with charities who could support the projects evolving needs. Um, computer sorry. aid. Yeah. We we um, interviewed them a couple of uh, podcasts ago. Oh, there you go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a sort of some areas have a sort of more rising middle class. So we can see we, we supply more little lawnmowers, for example, for small businesses starting out. There's more hairdressing equipment asked for, which is something we don't do except occasionally um, when we have them. We don't regularly ask for things. So there are little businesses that are coming up which you hadn't had, you know, years ago. The pace of change is still, you know, while in our, our world, you know, you, you, we look at our technology now and think, well, when I show my children the sort of technology I had 20 years ago and they laugh in hysterics. But actually there are huge parts of the countries we support which still don't have reliable supply of electricity mm. and so on, where, where you know, reliable hand tools and so on are really kind of invaluable. And that, that, that I, you know, I'm sure will change, but it's going to change pretty slowly. And, and we'll keep on top of it. And as we get more... Um, successful at what we do of course we have more tools and equipment to send out there so we need more money people are very generous at giving us tools and equipment but it's actually the funding that we need too to be able to send out more and also to keep our premises going here too another thing we do is you you may have things that you're thinking of uh, throwing away and you think well that doesn't sound like the sort of thing work aid wants mm. don't don't discard those things so send send us anything you think we might might want and if it isn't something that is suitable for our vocational training projects in Africa. Um, that's part of why we have now established a shop in the premises. Uh, so things that we get sent that we can't use, or surplus yes. things, yeah, we, we sell either through the shop or eBay to raise money to fund our ongoing activities. Um, so that's been really, really good. We've had one or two good things. Someone sent us a lock, I think, with some old keys in. It turned out to be a Victorian lock with a we uniquely with the full set of keys we sold it on ebay it was a bidding war and we raised something like 600 pounds mm. for it mm. wow. we just we just actually got um it was actually found in our scrap a saw from 1795 that just sold at auction for over 300 pounds in fact the auctioneer rang us up to tell us the news <laughs> this one item so, so yes if it isn't worth anything to you it might well be worth something to us
I'm being taken on a tour of the factory. It's been very exciting. Usually sat at a table recording. So it's a nice big room, lots of seats, a nice big kitchen. Lots of uh, cups, cups of tea, presumably. Yes, we're luckily to have a dishwasher because we discovered that with 200 volunteers, the standard of washing up from you know one shift to the other kind of varied a little bit. So. <laughs> and you've got a bell here as well. What's we that for? We have a bell. That that gets, yeah, that gets uh, rung to notify everyone that we've got something to say. Exactly. <laughs> right, OK, so this is where all of the, uh, the storing and recycling takes place. Yes, so... A forklift to bring up things like treadles and anything heavy, the sewing machines, the knitting machines, and so on. We sort out all the haberdashery from here. You can see lots of balls of wool that go out. Um, behind us, we've got lots of spare parts for knitting machines on this side. We try to, you know, we don't throw everything away, we use it for spares. This is maybe half a year's worth almost of sewing machines, if that. We get through a lot of sewing machines here. Wow, and it's just row after row of sewing machines. Some of them, I see some uh, singers and various. Well, seeming antiques from lots of things. So singers are really prized. Uh, you go to the projects in Africa and they, they get sent from other sources, some of the Chinese ones, which are usually in a pile in the corner, broken, and the singers are manfully and womanfully struggling on. Um, we'll wear a store, so they look like museum pieces, but they're really not. Uh, yeah, so you know, for your listeners, there are probably... 400 sewing machines here at the moment? Um, probably more than that. It's probably yeah. about 600, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, that's incredible. So kind of lifeless sewing machines brought back to life yep. and then going to help people to lead better lives. I suppose. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Fantastic. And so they, they used to make boots in this factory. Yes. And yep. then, then it's been recycled by you guys into yes. being... Yes. Yep. It's a big store. So it, it had been relatively unused for two or three years before yes. we moved in and yes. was really in quite a derelict state. Yeah. And our volunteers it. collectively have restored it to something useful. And interestingly, one of our volunteers used to work for Newtons, who uh, were the firm who made the boots. Uh, and he left when the factory closed down as a boot factory and is now volunteers for us on a Friday afternoon and is delighted to see it you know, fully functioning and having a purpose again. So in terms of your volunteers, do you have people from all walks of life, from all ages, different abilities and skills? Very much so. We've got people, for example, an orthopaedic surgeon we have here. We had somebody that used to draw out, drive an oil tanker. We have Duke of Edinburgh Ward kids coming in to get some experience. Um, we have husbands and wives. Some come in together to save petrol. Others come in separately, so they've got double the amount of time apart doing something different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we can find a job for anybody. We've got people with disabilities. Um, we have one chap that comes up here. He has very poor eyesight, but we, you know, he's really happy doing different things. Here, this is haberdashery sorting here. So with a sewing machine, you need things like scissors, you need pins, you need needles, you need uh, threads. So we send everything out with a sewing machine. Over here, we've got the typewriter section. We don't do computers, but for a school without electricity, having a manual typewriter would be brilliant. We tend to fa favour the ones with ribbons because you can rewind them and reuse them as opposed to the more modern cassettes or cartridges which are harder to get, they're more expensive and in some countries you can't get them anyway. So right, okay. We, and can't, we used to be able to, we used to pack our uh, containers you know, to, to, to stop breakage, we used to pack it with old second-hand clothes we were sent but unfortunately now we can't do that because there are rules around having to fumigate second-hand clothes which make that impossible but we do like to send you know, material and cloth where we can with our um, goods because they're obviously helpful for people receiving stuff of the sewing machines yeah. as well. Yeah. Better than bubble wrap you can't do anything much with bubble wrap but we yeah. can with other things. Right of yeah. course yeah. yeah. 
Oh wow, this is amazing. We, we, we try and send no Buckingham air right. in our containers. <laughs> they are packed very tightly. Our packers take great pride in leaving no square centimetre of a space unfilled with something useful. Nice. And so when, when it arrives, the beneficiaries that receive these uh, products, are they being shown, as, again, it's, it's based on kind of instructions that are sent out with the yes, materials? Yes, yes. Um, we're actually working on, at the moment, more of a pictorial kind of instruction manual for many of the things, because that kind of goes down much easier. It's like in England, you can never be bothered to read all the instructions you get with your washing machine or something. It's a similar thing with you know, sewing machines or knitting machines mm. particularly as well. And the other thing we do is we try increasingly with our visits to send people who have real practical insights um, into how things work. So while people are um, visiting countries and seeing whether the projects are kind of delivering what it is our donors would want them to deliver, they're also giving you know, training courses to people who are teaching sewing or knitting in projects all around the areas we go to. So there are lots of workbenches around here. So this is where um, you're actually upcycling or recycling the items, is it? Well, I, w I work four days a week uh, in a job in the City of London. I come here on a Friday usually. Friday morning at this workbench are a gang of um, mainly men who are recycling or refurbishing uh, old sewing machines. And it, it's really like uh, they're people who are having fun. I mean, they're really you're enjoying wrestling with the sort of knotty problem of how do I fix this broken sewing machine? So they're going off to rescue little parts and things from all around other parts of the factory thinking, oh, hold on a second, I might have seen a little bit of metal just that size downstairs in packing or whatever. So they'll go and be fixing these things. So it's quite uh, intuitive, is it, when you're, when you're actually fixing these things up? Or, or are you having to find uh, experts or, or kind of people with kind of knowledge of different... So Claire is an expert, but they're becoming experts over time. And, and you know, you can see the enjoyment. It's like having a particularly hard crossword puzzle. When you find a crossword puzzle with a new question you've never seen before, it's really exciting. So every so often they have a sewing machine that is new, unfamiliar, Italian, whatever, something. Something about it is quirky. And you can see them really loving wrestling with the kind of challenge of... It is. It's, the, cha it's the challenge, really, isn't it? Yeah. We have um, quite a few engineers who've joined us, but we have people with no skills whatsoever or mm. lots of ladies who like just the sewing side. But together we merge and we can work things out. And, you know, there's so, so much to learn each time. We do things from the industrial machines there. That's a leather sewing machine, great for making sandals, to the household machines, manual machines, treadles we have as well. So we have a whole range of things. but And yeah. I can see a sea of tools here, and yep. spanners and scissors and hammers and chisels and everything. Wait till yeah. we get downstairs, you'll see right. more. <laughs> and, what, and, what, and what you see here are the things people are using to refurbish yes. sewing machines. What we have downstairs is these writ large that are being put into you know, car maintenance or carpentry mm. kits or whatever it is. Mm. So there are, there are you, know, you, you see maybe 100 here, you'll see 10,000 downstairs. Right. One of the challenges we have, we have literally 10 shifts a week, mornings and afternoons, so that's 10 different shifts of volunteers. So, you know, it's passing on messages from morning till, you know, the following week till whenever. Um, so it is quite a challenge to make sure everybody gets the same standards so that nothing gets left behind, everybody gets something out to Africa that's in a good condition. So we're now downstairs in the factory area. We call it the hub. We have, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we have a sessional worker who comes in to help um, young adults with mild to moderate learning difficulties. 
Um, so they're great at sorting through things for us, um, cutting up fabric to go out with our um, sewing machines, anything that needs doing. They've got a safe working environment. It's great. They can come up and join us for tea. They're part of a, you know, learning skills. They get confidence. It's just a really nice place. The rest of the week we use this now for um, crafts classes and art lessons. We're bringing in the community here. Um, it's a different kind of people who learn about WorkAid, what we do. They make things they for selling uh, and also just for their own um, enjoyment, really. But they're learning about WorkAid at the same time and buying from the shop at the same time, which is next door. We have goods come in from around the country here. We unload them. We sort them out as quickly as we can to get them in the right place. It's organised chaos most of the time, but it works somehow. We have nuts and bolts and screws. You have to have that for, you know, carpentry sets, for masonry tools. Um, we have knitting machines at the end. We have socket sets for car maintenance. We sort out the sewing machines to make sure if it's electrical, we're not going to explode ourselves so they get tested. Then here, small, medium of large everything. Well. We have, uh, you know, enough screwdrivers to keep us in business for some time. <laughs> But we have any, any kind of tool that you can imagine, really. We've got planes. Um, well, are, are you using them these here as well to help main, uh, renovate some of the materials as well as sending them out? Yes, or, yes, yeah. some of them are. Yeah, some yeah. of them are. And some of them we use when we're actually here, you know, decorating and that kind of thing yeah. and uh, doing the work. But through yeah. here is our main workshop. So there's a smell of sort of linseed oil as you come there through is, the door. There is, isn't there? Yeah, I think it smells great. Yeah. That's an example of the kind of refurbished tools that we do. Um, so things are cleaned up, charmed up, um, ground, whatever needs doing to them, in the kind of condition that if you were a workman, you would put them away one night, the following morning you would get them out of your tool case and they would be ready to go. And they are pristine. I mean, looking at there's a wall of uh, tools all um, tied up and, and posted on this wall, and um, they, they're pristine and very old from the looks of them but a lot of them are but it's good metal good woodwork mm. um we can make it clean we can make it serviceable we make sure that whatever we send out is actually going to be sustainable the old toolboxes come in rusty not looking too great but with a bit of um, love and attention they get painted up they become a toolbox that somebody would be proud proud mm. of and essentially will be somebody's livelihood it would be somebody's livelihood yeah, exactly. yes yeah um we just once everything's packed, they go into the containers in our yard. We're just coming into the packing section now, where we scour the local supermarkets for these banana boxes. Yeah. They're sturdy. They're the right size for sewing machines. You can put tools in there. They're not going to be too heavy. People come from kind of, you know, can be 10 hours away to collect tools from our partners in each country. Um, we don't actually charge anything for anything we supply, but each project does have to have the um, money to be, go and collect things and take it back to their own project. Nothing goes out to any project without somebody, one of our partners, having visited. Um, so that way we ensure that everything does get to the right kind of facility. Simple things like having locks on doors is important because there's no point in us sending something if it gets stolen within the first month. So all these things get checked out in advance. And then we like follow up to find out how the projects are getting on with things too. So as well as recycling tools, you're recycling lots of cardboard from the supermarkets. And it's such a large operation, you know, having so few people that actually pay. It's all, all run on the on volunteers and, and a very professional, at a very professional level. Yeah. Everyone, everyone takes a real pride in that. I mean, we, we so our expenditure and income needs are around 220 to 250,000 pounds a year. So that's a reasonable size operation and... 300 volunteers in total with the area organisers and yeah to have you know one full-time and three or four part-time employees I think to to kind of help us achieve all that is 
us managing our costs pretty sensibly. Our, our head of our, our finance director, who's a trustee, is is you know just to take one small example, he says our accounts are better than many of the firms he's worked with, uh, and that's that's a source of some pride to us. I mean, with getting the governance right is really important. It and having a sustainable model are part of what makes you know work aid something that's going to last. We hope for at least another thirty years. Having seen your, your factory and all the good things that you're doing there, and you're volunteering here in your shop. Yes. Um, so how long have you been here? What, what's your name and how long have you been here? I'm, my name's Janice and I've been here about a year. Okay. But I, I come to the drawing class and that's how I got interested in becoming a volunteer here. You're a volunteer here as well. What's your name and how long have you been Barbara. here? Barbara. Uh, about 18 months, I think. Yeah. And what is it that you both enjoy about volunteering at WorkAge? I mean, it's a nice place to be. You have n- nice chats with everybody. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's for a good cause, isn't it? Yeah, nice people. It's fun. We do a lot. <laughs> the shop it's varied. Was, yeah, the shop was open in, what, 2009? 2010. 2010. Yeah, 2010. And so, really, the ladies in the shop are the kind of the front line to our customers here. They are fantastic ambassadors, really, aren't you? <laughs> Try to be. <laughs> you are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell people what's going on and, you know, well, that's sign right. them up for our, mm-hmm. you know... That's right. I mean, we do, do try and tell everybody of all the courses. I haven't got many notices up at the minute, but... Um, so you've got lots of courses, and they're kind of children's courses and things? Mm-hmm. Sort of mm-hmm. and there is one at the minute for adults. sewing machines, but okay. mostly it's adults in the week. Gosh, it's pouring. And spring. then if we have yeah, a full course sale, and, and we can just tell everybody all about what we're doing and then they can sign up on here it's a new sheet and we can send them there uh, our newsletters to tell them more about it right okay and do you think when people come here and they they uh, buy things or they drop things off do you think they they fully understand actually all the good that those items are going to be doing or is that uh, part of the process that you kind of start telling them more and more you about do them? try to tell people more i'm not sure if everybody does know i mean there are, there's so many regulars that come in that have been coming for whatever. I, I usually do Friday afternoon, and there's at least five people that always come in on a Friday afternoon when I'm... Not that because I'm here, but they come in anyway. That's their day for shopping. Um, and they just pop in. So I guess they all know about it. Um, but they, especially the chaps come in after work, after prayers, um, to pick out or to see what's here, because every week it's different. Yeah. All the stock. So, yeah. Good. Fantastic. Thanks ever so much. Okay. Rob Levine, Claire Popple, thank you both so much for contributing to Charity Chat. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. So there you go, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this month's show. Um, we'll be back next month to talk about charities and their beneficiaries. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Red Dog Music, for sponsoring our podcast kit, uh, Forest of Fools, who have been playing throughout the show and will be playing us out very shortly, and of course, RR Yard Photography, who have done a fantastic job providing pro bono photography for our website, charitychat.org.uk. I'm losing my voice, so at this point, I'll leave you and say goodbye and speak to you next month. Take care. Bye-bye.